Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful day out there, and it's a podcast day, so nothing can go wrong today. This is Rob. This is episode number 218 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So if you are new to the show, we are all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds, helping you clear the path of whatever is in your way from reaching the success that you want to reach. So if that sounds appealing to you, please stick around because we're going to be discussing something that I that I talk about quite a lot on here, and it's how to move on after grief, after loss. And when I bring my, my guest on, she, she dealt with the worst type of loss, which is losing a child. And so we're going to talk about all of that, what happened, but more, more importantly, how she was able to pick up the pieces and use what happened to inspire others and to help others go through their grief. So that's going to be today's topic. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me, and then we'll get going. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You've got to know your work. Before I bring my guest on, we have to do the teachable moment of the day. And seeing how we're talking about grief, we're going to talk about vulnerability. Because there's a big misconception. And for people who watch this show on a regular, you know, I talk about this constantly. People think being vulnerable is being weak. But it's not. When you can actually step into the midst of a past pain and talk about that pain, talk about what you experienced, and talk about the steps you took to get yourself back to a good place mentally, that's the ultimate power. Okay, Cowards hide behind what happened. People who are strong, people who are confident can stand up and talk about the messy parts of their life. Because I guarantee you, out of the billions of other people on this planet, you're not alone. You're not alone. Like what you've experienced, someone else has too. It's highly, highly unlikely that you're the only one that experienced what happened to you. Now, we had to make the decision to end life support and watch our father pass. We're not the only ones that have done that. So by me getting up and sharing my story and my experience and how I was able to process that and move forward can help other people cope with their grief and their loss. So whatever happened to you, whatever you've been through, have the courage to start speaking about it because somebody out there needs to hear it like only you can tell it. Okay, That's today's Teachable Moment. And so now coming on to the show is Megan Smith Brooks. 
And we are going to talk about her, her journey, the grief that she had gone through, and how she is moving forward and helping change other people's lives. Megan, welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. Awesome. Glad to have you. So where are you joining me from? Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. <laughs> I have not been to Cincinnati. I've been to Columbus. I've been to, been to Cleveland, but not Cincinnati. Are you originally from there? No, I'm not. I'm from the Northwest, um, oh. greater Seattle area, where most of my family and connections are. Okay. So what brought you to Cincinnati? Uh, well, my husband and I are both um, ordained ministers, and um, we were brought here to serve a community. Um, I was actually in Pasadena, California originally, so okay. um, uh, so I had no connections, no familiarity, and we are no longer serving that community and now looking at the possibility of moving beyond here. So mm. life is constant change. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah, no, like one th- one good thing about about life is that you can literally change it instantly. <laughs> it's, it's like pe- people think it takes major, major things to change your life. It really doesn't. It takes a firm decision and effort. <laughs> sometimes it. it's by choice and sometimes it gets imposed on you and yeah. we think it's unfair and yet Oftentimes, it's because we didn't have the courage to do something in the first place. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about you. So how would you describe your upbringing? Oh, wow. You know, I had a really eclectic upbringing. And I think that um, it was at the time as an introverted child, I didn't like moving and having to go into new experiences. But I realized in hindsight, what I learned is the adaptability and um, the real the realization that the world is different. Not everybody lives the same way. And so I really am grateful for having had that experience. And I think it instilled some curiosity in me in um, wanting to understand others and um, where they came from and why we're different and and accepting that it's OK to be different. Yes, I love that. All right. So now how, how would you describe yourself? Well, coming from that, I, I, I am curious. Um, I have a sense of adventure, even though there's a part of me that wants to hold back. Um, but there's another part of me that goes, no, 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 no. You have to go there and try it out and see what might happen because you could learn something that would make a difference. <clears throat> I also realize I have a deep sense of compassion. And I think through my life experiences, I've learned to have empathy for others um, but as a minister and a spiritual educator, also, um, that it's okay to push outside of our boundaries. Um, and <clears throat> I feel good about being that way. And I know that I'm a constant process of, of evolving and growing and learning. And so I, I like to explore new possibilities. Mm, love it. Trying hard, hard to keep up with all that. <laughs> I take, I take notes on, on everyone. Explore new possibilities. See, that right there is the key sentence, exploring new possibilities. Because I say it all the time, like, life is all about what is possible. You know, right. what's possible. Like, we spend so much time, because I get it, as human beings, you know, we're, we're hardwired to look for challenges and to, mm-hmm. to look, for, look for things that could bring us pain or discomfort. But I always say, but what if it does? People, people say, well, I would invest, but what if I lose my money? Like, what if you double it? Right. You know, it's like, what's possible by taking this action? What is a possible positive outcome? And then is it worth the effort to go after it? 
You know? Exactly. I remember there was a point in time where I was going through a difficult um, experience in my life. And I was taking a lot of classes and exploring spirituality in general, just as how, how it offers us a way of living. And I came to this realization that when you're um, confronted with that question, what if, mm. I realized that, well, what if um, I did that? What if I learned something that I wouldn't have known otherwise? And even if at some point it ends, or there's, you know, there's like an ending point, I can always go back and choose again. But I have that experience that will maybe open a new door. So I don't want to miss the possibility of that, that door that I didn't see right now. I love it. Love that answer. And, and also, I like how you reframe that, where if it doesn't work out, I can find a different avenue. You know, because right. too, many, too many times, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, things don't always go the way you draw it up. <laughs> you know, exactly. it, it, it just doesn't. And so I always tell people, it's like, it's like this, it's definitely not a straight line because in mm-hmm. my head, right, we're going to do this. We're going to have this, we're going to have this many people. And then once pieces start falling, it's like, oh, wow, I was not expecting any of this, but then you, you can still get there. That's the thing. A lot of people hit that point and then give up. Well, and it's like, because I <laughs> took that step in that direction, I learned something that's useful from that, mm-hmm. even if maybe, you know, I, that, that wasn't the right direction, but I used, I learned something I could use. So it served a purpose no matter what you, you See, can't lose. Exactly. And taking that same mentality when we're talking about grief mm-hmm. is that there's teachable moments in yes. everything, you know, through the whole process with my father, there were teachable moments. And when I talk about, about what happened. Like, I don't talk about him from a, I'm sad, uh, you know, like a, from a, I'm hurt perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about from a point of gratitude. Like I had a guest on that we're actually collaborating with, with each other now, but I had a guest on whose father was killed in Vietnam before he was born. Oh. So, so it's like, I, I was 40, 45 when my father passed. You know, mm-hmm. so like I, I had this man for 45 years, like, and he was that real dad that was always there and gave you the life lessons. You know, he, he wasn't the fly by night every other weekend dad, you yeah. know, so, so it's like, he was, he was there, you know, my parents were married for 50 years, you know I mean? Like he's got seven kids and all of us stayed out of trouble, you know, and like he, he moved us from the inner city in, in New York to a rural area, almost two acres of land here in Rhode Island. Like I cannot be, be sad this man had a awesome life he he took great care of us he's i think he he passed with 36 grandkids i want to say oh good <laughs> <You know? heavens. laughs> i think well well sorry that includes the the uh the great grandkids okay right, that makes yeah. sense <laughs> yeah so but, but it's like so when i talk about him like i talk about him in a very upbeat and positive way because mm-hmm. i had 45 years with this dude it's like how right. selfish am i gonna be to just talk about the pain you know so so when other people are going through through grief I just let them see like this doesn't have to be the worst thing ever it's like what was left behind and I know you have your own story stories to tell well no I totally align with the idea of gratitude (laughs) which was surprising to me um you know as I move through my own process but there's little things that you could be grateful for um and that's what you hold on to and the other thing is is that all the gift of that the life the legacy of the life that you mourn 
Um, it, are the treasured moments that you hold in your heart that nobody can ever take from you. Yeah. And so we can live in those gifts and realize that they are continuing to offer us something of value and how we move forward. You know, what can I learn from that person? How can I use that to make, to enhance myself and empower my life in greater ways? Um, that's when we can go back. We can feel sadness and gratitude at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like I have, I keep, I keep his picture right here in my office. Aww. You know, I have his obituary on the dashboard of my car. You know, mm-hmm. so so it's like I, I'm constantly thinking about him. Constantly, he had a, so many one-liners. Like, like uh, my kids and I will both throw out there. They call them the grandpa isms. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, and yeah, there were days where I might shed a tear and be like, I just wish I wish I could hug him. You know, right. but it, but it's not to the point to where I'm letting it hurt me. You know, because like some people go down a dark, dark path when grief mm-hmm. hits. Oh, I know. It's tragic when I see people that have stopped living, literally, um, that they've let grief just take over their existence and um, they can't imagine how they can move forward. And the thing is, is that grief changes us at the core when we have loss. It's also a part of our human experience that we can't escape from. So, you know, that's one of the things that I realize is that we have to have the courage to talk about it. And not hide from it or pretend it didn't happen or think we're just going to go back to normal the way it was because you can't. It's like there's a part of you that um, biologically has changed. So the process is really coming to understand who am I now because this happened and it will become a part of who I am. As a matter of fact, if you're open to it, I have an excerpt from my book that I had this realization about what grief does to us. Yeah, go ahead. So my experience is that grief slowly creeps into every part of us. It infiltrates our thoughts and feelings. It seeps into our emotions and it crawls into our hearts. It finds its way into the cells of our body and it takes over how it functions. It finds its way into every aspect of our lives, our relationships, how we respond to the world around us, our behaviors, our perception of life on every level. And in time, We can't even recognize ourselves as grief has taken up residence in who we are. Spot on. And my um, my aha was is that okay? Then if it's going to be a part of me, I have to make friends with it. It's not the enemy here. I like that. It's it's coming to teach me something of value. Do I have the courage to go deep and explore it? Yes, it's like the way the way I, I work with people is I say it's not what happened. It's from one second after what happened forward. I was like, that's where the magic is. It's like yeah. how did how did you pick up the pieces? Like my, my mother, like I said, spent fifty I think they were fifty two years, I wanna say. Like my mother was a kid. When my parents got together, you know, like this, there's an, uh, I think there was an 11 year gap be- between them, but like she was, mm-hmm. she was a, yeah, she was like a young adult when they got together. So mm-hmm. now she was 68, I believe, when he passed. And she, she was like, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, just like doing things that seem simple, but she never had to do them because dad always did them, you know, right. like, do, like doing taxes, you know, and just th- things of that nature. Like she literally had to, rediscover who she was you know to your to your mm-hmm. point of going through life without without him yeah it's a process and so we have to be gentle with ourselves to realize that there's no magic wand here where we can just suddenly 
just go, okay, I get it and I'll move on. We do have to move on. Yes. But um, we move on in this place. For me, it's about exploring who I'm becoming, aspects of myself perhaps that I had denied, Mm -hmm. that I had put aside, um, and that when I've had this painful experience and I have nothing to lose, then to really start to um, have the courage to dismantle some of the pieces that no longer support who I am and take on the aspects of myself that I had um, didn't have the courage to. And um, it's like a rebirth experience, really. Yes. Um, in process. Um, and so, like I said, we're enhancing who we are because of loss, which comes in so many different forms. Agreed. And I just want to clarify that moving on doesn't equal forgetting. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, a, lot, a lot of people make, make that mistake. They go, oh, well, well, if I move on, it's like um, I'm forgetting about that person. That's far from the, from the truth. Yeah, you're not going to deny that because it's still an, a, an important part of who you are. Yeah. And, um, you know, so for my loss, my youngest son, uh, Justin, was 29 years old, and he was murdered mm-hmm. by an act of violence. And, um, you know, so a mother's worst nightmare, you know, it, to lose a child is painful, but to lose it from like that, I, I lived through months of just having nightmares and, um, this disassociation for myself because I was so numb that my mind could not comprehend what had happened. Um, and, and, and that's part of the process too, as a human, um, we want to deny something horrible and, and try to put the pieces back together, but death is permanent. So we can't do that. Yeah. So um, there's a process to where we finally get to where, okay, I have to accept this reality that I can't change mm-hmm. so that I can move forward. But again, it's like we talked about the gratitude of those cherished memories, yeah. all of those things that we have, we use them to support us in our tender moments. Um, to say, you know, would I ra- would I have rather to um, not have this pain? Would I give up having had those experiences so I don't have to feel pain? Yeah. Well, of course not. Mm-hmm. So, so then that's that transitional moment where we go, oh, okay, that's the gift that keeps supporting us so that I can find my way forward. So you said mother's mother's biggest nightmare. Can you can you? Like I said, I don't want to take it to a to a dark place, but mm-hmm. can you take me? What was it like when you found out? Obviously, I know it was awful, but just go through what you felt because that ties into what what we're discussing, like how you processed yeah. everything initially. Well, um, you know, my son was an adult. He had a five year old daughter. Uh, he was living in Kansas City, outside of Kansas City, Missouri, at the time, and I was in California and. Um, when I found out, um, I had been trying to call him um, because I was going to uh, go on a, um, a convention at sea on a cruise. And I was meeting, you know, like five or six hundred other colleagues. And I was I'm going to be traveling across country to get to Fort Lauderdale. And I hadn't been able to reach him. And, you know, it, I was kind of like, well, I really wish I could get a hold of him. But it's not like I could always get a hold of him. He would yeah. ignore me sometimes. <laughs> little, little bugger. <laughs> anyway, um, so I had arrived at baggage claim. I'd had my cell phone turned off. I turned it back on and it immediately started ringing. And my older son, Ryan, was calling me and he said, mom, are you sitting down? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I, I wish people wouldn't say that. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's like, just, you know, I'm like, what? Just tell me. And he goes, mom, Justin's gone. And I mean, what do you mean he's gone? He goes, mom, they found his body in a river. Wow. And everyone around me said, I just went white. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like this, this shock of, you know, you want to deny it. It's like, what do you mean? How could this happen? What happened to him? He's, you know, he's like, I don't know. Um, a fisherman found him. Wow. So that was the beginning of just that going through your last conversation of um, trying to relive. It's like, you know, in my mind, I knew there wasn't anything I could have done to have prevented it. But my heart shattered into a million pieces. Mm-hmm. And it, it took quite a while before I felt like it was ever going to be possible for them, for myself to come back together. It was like I was in this numb state of just walking through, observing the world around me and not sure I was even participating in it. Um, Somebody would say, you should eat something and I would eat, but I didn't taste it, Mm. you know, and it's um, and gradually more information came about. And I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. It's like um, a detective said, um, your son was was murdered. This wasn't an accident. He didn't drown. Um, He had been shot. And his body had been wrapped in a heavy chain attached to a cinder block and he'd been thrown into the river um, with the intention that his body would potentially disappear. And so my first moment of gratitude came in realizing I was so grateful his body was found so it could have closure to find out what happened because what would I have done if, if I never knew what happened to him? Yeah. That would have been worse just living in, you know, not knowing. So it was a gradual process of um, coming to terms with that. And I have to, you know, premise in that I had a spiritual foundation. I was, you know, serving as a minister of a spiritual community. So I had some tools and practices that I used to support others, but it's very different when you have to apply it to yourself yes. and walk through that. Um, Cause it's, it's your own u- unique journey. So was, was there a moment where you were like, I can't live in the grief. Like, was there there any moment like like that where it just hit you that you had to start taking the steps to move forward? Yeah, I mean, it's the pain is intense, and um, and it would hit you unexpectedly. So, I mean, and that's part of the normal process. Like, little things will trigger you. Think, okay, I'm going to do okay, and then I was in this um, experience where a musician was singing this really emotionally heart-wrenching song Mm -hmm. and it triggered my heart and I just started sobbing and I couldn't stop. And, you know, but I realized is that tears are cleansing, clear tears are useful. Uh, If we don't let it out, then you're bottling it up in your body and it could sabotage you in other ways, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, We go down the deep, dark hole of depression and um, addiction. Um, you know, we want to self-medicate so I don't have to feel. So that's one of the things that I started to recognize is that if I do not have the courage to feel as deeply as I can, all this overwhelming pain and, and let it out any way I can, I call it regurgitating it. I mean, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah. Um, but you know, as long as I'm not destructive to myself and others, um, find ways to get that energy out and process it as it comes up. Because I realized I'm still here in the land of the living. 
I'm still breathing. I still have a life and I would not be honoring my son if I somehow just laid down and gave it all up. Absolutely. So you, you use the word triggered and sometimes we, we don't find out down the line until something will trigger us. Cause what happened just a few months, um, few weeks ago, I should say, one of my clients, well, myself and three of my clients, we went down to Jacksonville, Florida to do a race, a Spartan race. And the first, the next, the next morning, she, she got a phone call that, you know, her father wasn't doing well and that they were probably going to have to have to end care. And one of the other girls was telling me what was happening and, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I go back to my sister calling me saying, dad's not going to last a day. And I was like, oh no. And it just stirred up all these things, which, you know, it's been a couple of years now. And mm-hmm. I, like, I speak about them on here all the time. Like I've speak in groups about them all the time, but just that, it just, it brought me right back to that day. And I didn't want to take away from what she was going through. So like I went out front, I went out front and let the tears flow. Yeah. I was like, I was like, sorry about that. I said, I really thought I I was over all this, but seeing that in that moment, it just stirred it all up. It's like, it just happened all over again. Yeah. You know, and I realized that, you know, in the last couple of years with the pandemic and um, we haven't seen on the news as often, but before that mass shootings and, and the horror that we watch of the loss of life and now with the, the Ukraine war, yeah. um, it triggers me because I am feeling the loss that individuals that are impacted are beginning this process of grief. And, um, you know, when, especially when it's sudden and unexpected, yeah. um, the, you know, the shock of it, um, it puts you in a place of, and, and so you see people angry and lashing out and they want to do something and they want revenge. And I remember my older son was feeling that way. It's like, I got to get who did this. And, and so it's like taking a step back and go, how is that going to serve a purpose? Is that going to be useful? No, let the legal system and the things that are in place manage that it's not mine to do. Um, To bring more sorrow and impact or, you know, if I end up in prison, how does that help the world? You know, I mean, really. So I but all those little things would trigger can trigger that pain of your loss because you're seeing it through somebody else's loss. And I think it gives us great empathy for each other. You know, if we realize I'm not the only one that's um, had loss, if we can begin to see it's part of our human experience, how can we support each other? through this very real um, connection that we have, even that the circumstances are different. Can we be kinder to each other because we understand? And and understanding the power of storytelling, because they don't have to be identical stories for them to be relatable. Like like, like I said, we can talk about the loss of your son and my mom losing her husband, me losing my father, you know, my uncle losing his brother, right? right. It's like, this is one person who passed away, but it's going to hit all of us differently, you know, exactly. but, but the, but, but the steps to moving past it, they're all similar. It's all similar. Like if you were married for 40 years and then suddenly you, you, you get a divorce, 
you know, right. for, for both parties, you have, you have to rediscover yourself. You have to pick up the pieces and you got to find a way to live life without this other person, you know? So, right. so, it, so it doesn't always have to be a loss of life for, for there to be loss. But the two oh, stories, definitely. yeah, but the two stories, they're relatable, you know? Well, the emotional impact is the same. Yeah. When something has been taken away in some form that cannot be put back in the same form. And so our human mind struggles with want, not wanting to accept it and trying to figure out how you can put the pieces back together. The thing is that the pieces are going to come back in a different form. Yeah. That's unfamiliar. Yeah. And um, if I reject it, then I'm rejecting a part of myself and I'm staying in the struggle. So am I willing to be more open to, okay, this is going to be different. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but if I'm willing to consider there's something of value in that, um, I'm going to do it anyway. It, it's like I, the, the way I do it is just, I act like he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just act like yeah. he's still here when I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. And if I had, when I have those moments, I'm like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want to see me like this. It's like he wants to see me being me, smiling and high energy and motivating people and, you know, playing my sports. Like he wants to see me being me, you know, and mm -hmm. like I, I had that talk with my nephew because now my nephew lost over 100 pounds. And wow. so when like he, he and his grandfather were close. And so um, he he put on like 25 pounds, like he was drinking, drinking he heavily. Mm -hmm. And when I saw him. We were at someone else's funeral, and <laughs> when I saw him, I was like, "Dude, I was like, do you want him seeing you like this?" It's like, it's like you know, you know, he would be on you if you weren't being good, good to yourself. I said, mm -hmm. so you got to just take it with the lens that he can still hear you. It's like you can still talk to him. Yeah. Talk. I find myself, I'll be in my bedroom, but by, by myself, hey, Dad, I'm working on this today, and. And I and I just have a conversation, and I and I sit there and just try to anticipate what his response would be. And that's powerful, and it's healing. Yes, you know it. It helps us. So the other thing that I realize is that what we're coming to terms with in the healing process after loss is not only how it's changed us, but it's changed the form of relationship with the person that we miss. Yes, and so it's like what you're saying. It's like they're not here in the physical. Um, you know, we're missing the senses. I miss being able to see my son smile, hear his voice. I miss yes. being able to hug him. And sometimes I just want to scream. It hurts mm -hmm. so bad. Yeah. But I feel him around. He was with me when I was writing my book. You know, this book was because of him. And it was it was his way of leaving a legacy yes. to the world. And that I was able to bring forward to say, okay, so this horrible thing happened. So now what, how do we move forward? And, um, and so what I see is that once we come through that really painful um, numb state, when we, we get to acceptance and we start to go, okay, I have to keep living somehow. What did I learn of that I admired deeply from that person that I miss? Like you talk about your dad. Yes. What are the aspects of who he was and how, what if I could honor him by emulating that, you know, and integrating that in who I am and then recognize that 
my perspective on life can change because I realize everything I do now is creating a legacy for whoever I leave behind. Yep. And it changes how I live. It changes how I perceive life and, um, and realize that all the hard stuff is just part of the experience. Yes. See, and again, and it's that hard stuff that's going to inspire other people. You know, because it's it's one thing it's one thing to empathize. Empathy is huge. It's but at some point, action needs to take over. Yes. You know, it, it it just it just has to. It's like you like you can't just stay in that state of grief again to where it's hurting you. Because once you once you get out and you start talking more about it, it becomes easier. I remember the first podcast I did after my dad's passing. I was bawling almost the entire ep- episode. As I was talking about it, but the more I speak about it, the more I speak about it, it's it becomes easier now. As um, mm-hmm. obviously I've accepted what's happened, but just mm-hmm. for for the first few episodes, because I, I did a couple episodes on on grief, it's, it's just how it happened to fall in, in right. my scheduling, you know, right afterwards. So it was still really really fresh, but I still got got on there, still went live. You know, I don't do any edits or anything, and. I was just had the tears streaming down my face. But like when you're talking about grief, it's it's okay. If you're talking about anything that hits your emotions, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, well, men aren't supposed to cry. Like, well, then why do we have tear ducts? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that's why you have to let it, it's a form of release. It's a yes. healing thing. Why would you deny yourself that? Yes, absolutely. You know, and I have to say that since my son passed, I, um, 14 months ago, I lost a sister by suicide, um, which triggered my mother's dementia into a, um, full scale downhill slide. And she passed this last October 20th. So, um, you know, it's, it's like, you don't have one really painful moment in life. Yeah. And in each one of those losses impacted me differently. My, my dad passed 15 years ago. Um, you know, and each one of them had a different, um, part of my heart and, um, a different uh, relationship, but you know, I, I don't think any of them were more painful than my son's loss, but each one allows me to understand the value of, of, of life and this connection we have with each other. And we can do a much better job with how we show up. As a matter of fact, um, my, my son, Ryan, uh, when he, he um, got a copy of my book, I mean, I sent it to him, of course. <laughs> and he said, he said, Mom, I thought I would just go to bed early one night and just start reading, you know, a couple chapters or something. And he goes, I couldn't put it down. Mm. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm like with my highlighter. He goes, you, there's something you said in there. I put it on my desktop. It says, every day I get to choose how I show up. Yes. He goes, I hadn't thought about that. And he goes... I can't believe it. It's like, I didn't know you. I didn't know all the stuff you went through. And when he told me that, I thought, that's why I wrote the book. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that, so that it's like, there's a way through this. It's a journey, it but really it can is. be so empowering and um, how we show up makes a difference to others. Yes. It's definitely a journey, but people have to understand you decide the outcome. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like you decide the destination, uh, you know, like I said, you know, any, any, any type of grief, like shortly after, like you, you had just mentioned a string of, of losses. We had it too. Last year, we, I lost an aunt, a cousin, a, my two-year-old nephew oh. and 
another another aunt. Like this is all in maybe an eight week span, and so just just de- just dealing with all of that all of that loss. I always just just say it's like we're not the only ones. Right. You know, it's like it's like we're not the only ones. Like this happens to every single family. Every single family at some point, especially as we get older, you know, we're gonna be losing. We're gonna be losing people. So, you know, coping coping is a thing that you have to learn. So, like when when I knew we were putting we were ending care for my dad, you know, I was like, do I tell my two older kids because the three younger kids were in school? And I was like, do I tell them? I was like, you know, they're going to be okay with watching someone die. But I was like, I don't want to make that decision for them. So I messaged them. I was like, if you guys want to come to the hospital, you know, where we have to end and care, you know, and they, they both, they both showed, showed up. But like one, one of the biggest joys that, that came from us ending care was they were able to unsedate him enough to where he, he could respond to us. Like he had tubes mm-hmm. in his mouth, so he couldn't talk, but he could shake his head yes, he could shake his head no. And so each A, there were three generations of us around him. Mm-hmm. And we all got to hug him, kiss him, say goodbye, tell him we love him. You know, like and that's a moment that not every family gets. Right. You know? So like one of my other clients, she just got got a phone call that her father just suddenly passed at 62 years old. Like sudden mm-hmm. hit in the face with a frying pan, so so it's like you know the way my dad had a pretty damn good ending. I gotta say. So that was that was a beautiful gift for all of you, you know. Whereas you know the the form of like you know I get a phone call, it's like you can yeah. feel cheated because you didn't get to say goodbye. Yes. Um. And and it can create a lot of anger, and that's one of the things I realized we have to process that, yes. um, and because it'll affect our health and wholeness. So um, finding healthy ways. One of the things that I realize that happens when something happens in loss, it's almost like you, you stop breathing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the shock. It's like you forget how to breathe and it's like the shallow and it's like what well, we need the oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> we need that for our body. To function. So if we don't notice it, then we're not going to take action by taking deep breaths and allowing our body to feel that flow. And just even just feel grateful that I'm breathing yes. and notice that it's how it's moving through and um, animating my cells. Yes. Um, that, I mean, it might sound like a simple thing, but it's an important part of finding a way to get through something as painful or shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when it comes to, to grief, like there's, there's, there's nothing that that's not impactful. So mm-hmm. I tell people in share in the sharing of your story, you might unlock something in someone else's story, you know? So like, right. You know, you could hear, hear me talking about constant constant gratitude. And if someone is still in a place of sadness or even anger, you know, hearing that part of gratitude might help spark them to think, hmm, all right, so can I find something good that came out of this, out of this See, if, if we event? If we live in our story of pain, then we're denying ourselves an aspect of um, pleasure which is a part of who we are. Yes. We're denying ourselves, even just appreciating all the, the beautiful stories and experiences that we had because we're focusing on the loss. Yeah. So it has to be a conscious choice that, okay, I notice how I feel when I'm focusing on the loss. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like it's shutting down a part of who I am. So can I shift my thoughts to um, something that brings my smile back? 
um, one of those treasured, some like really special moment that I that I shared with this person that I'm missing. Um, it shifts your energy enough that I can take one more step forward then. Yes. Yeah. Like, and that and positivity, it's, it's powerful. Like my sister in 2016, she had a brain aneurysm burst. Wow. And, and now there's a, there's a 20% survival rate with those. That's it. Yeah. 20%. So fortunately she's still here, here with us, but in the beginning, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Like we just heard she was in a car accident. This happened while she was driving. So we just got word that she was in a bad car accident. And so she was up in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. So of course I'm teaching class and I've got, you know, 20 plus people <laughs> in, in the gym. And when I get the phone call, like it was my mom. I remember I sent, I sent her, her the voicemail at first. Cause I was like, she knows better than to call me when I'm teaching. And then she calls right back. So I was like, Oh, and then just the tremble in her voice was like, oh God, like if I uh, never ever hear that again, that would be great. But that tremble, because again, we didn't know if she was dead dead or alive. We just right. knew she was in a bad accident. And so mm -hmm. we ended up getting to the hospital and a lot of time went by. Then they send a social worker out and you know, that's never good. So, right. so like, why is she here? <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. so anyway, so the surgeon finally comes down because, you know, they were treating her for the car accident. Mm -hmm. And then she had she had banged her head on the steering wheel, so she had a laceration. So when they did the CT scan, is when they found that she had bleeding on the other side. When they find oh. that she had, she had the aneurysm birth. But mm -hmm. so where I'm going with the power of positivity. So we're all at the hospital. This was one day. She had multiple multiple surgeries. She was still in a coma. And I was like, the nurse comes in. I was like, can she hear us? And she's like, mm -hmm. um. Let's see. So she, she goes mm -hmm. up, up to her and she's like, Ramona. She's like, Ramona, can, can you hear us? She's like, can you hear me? She's like, if you can hear me, give us a thumbs up. And then so we start, we start watching her hand and her hand slowly starts moving and she did the thumbs up. Mm -hmm. And from that moment, we showered her with positivity. We're like, she likes Mary J. Blige. Somebody put Mary J. Blige on your phone. <laughs> we were reading her books. We were telling her stories. And, and she was still still in, in a coma this whole time. But we just showered her with that. We were telling jokes, laughing. And you know, when she opened up, opened up her eyes, we're like, she's going to make a full comeback. Mm -hmm. you know, she's going to make a full comeback. But, but like the other side to that is there were so many people in there just in a negative place, you know, by oh. whatever they were dealing with, with their loved right. ones. So they were kind of looking at us sideways. Cause like, oh. you know, my mom brought, brought a cooler. We got chicken wings and potato salad. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we're, we're laughing, joking, telling stories. Cause we're like, we have to flood her with as much positivity to get her out of this coma. Well, it's all vibrational energy and she's feeling it. Yes. You know, when, when my mom, we had to put her in um, hospice care, um, the last few weeks of her life. And um, I got a, a phone call. She's in Montana. I'm in Cincinnati. So obviously I can't get there quickly. Yeah. And she said, um, your mom's body shutting down. We think she's going to pass in the next 24 hours. And she said, but hearing is the last thing that we lose. Mm. And so she, even though we've had to put, give her morphine um, and she's, you know, sleeping, she can hear you. So if you want to call her, we can put the phone up to her ear. Uh -huh. And so I did that. And I was able to say whatever it is that I wanted to let her know, including forgiveness, because she had not been an easy person. Um, mm -hmm. She was a narcissist and, and she fought the dementia and it was not an, it, not a, a, an easy process for her yeah. to let go of her life. 
And, um, and I sang her a song and I just felt her energy. And I'm so grateful that I did that. And I didn't put it off because she passed during the night, but in at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up mm-hmm. hearing her cell phone ringing her cell tone. I had a special cell tone that I had signed, but her cell phone had been canceled like six months earlier. Mm-hmm. So I woke up hearing this and I just felt her presence with me. And when a hospice nurse called me a few hours later and said, well, she passed. And I said, what time? And it was right around that time. No kidding. It was almost like I felt like her soul was letting me know I'm going, mm-hmm. but I feel connected to you. And I think it might've been because we ha- I had this conversation and, and it gave me a sense of closure that I wouldn't have had if they had just called and said, your mom passed. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I got to ask, do you ever, ever speak to either your, your son or your, or either of your parents in your dreams? I do experience them, especially sometimes when I'm going through a, a challenging moment or trying to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they show up and it, it doesn't necessarily give me the answer, Yeah, but I feel their presence are there to support me. And it encourages me to know that I have all that I need to make the right choice to move forward. It's like, I used to hear people say that, and I used to think they were nuts <laughs> until, <laughs> until the first time I had a dream about my father. And that conversation was just so real. You know, it's so like, mm-hmm. I, I woke up like, what just happened? Because <laughs> you know, right. that wasn't like a typical dream. Like we were conversing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was just the strangest, the strangest feeling. Yeah, I remember when my dad passed, I actually had a dream about him um, about a week later. Um, and, and it was like a reassurance. Mm. You know, I might not be there in the physical, but I'm still with you. Um, you know, in spirit somehow that we still have this connection, and just be okay with everything. And, and that was, I think, one of my first realizations is that not to deny ourselves the emotions of pain and loss. Yes. That they were that that the intensity of that vibration, that pain that we try to avoid is just the same as intense as ecstasy and bliss and happiness yeah. um, that we that we want that we want to reach for um, It's just it's the full spectrum of life. So we're denying a part of who we are if we're not willing to just be in it and process it and allow us to offer us something um, of value. Yes. It's um like I said earlier, like once we once we move on from what happened to how can I use this to help others? Yeah. Right. Once you shift to there, because now it becomes bigger than you. you know? Exactly. And so with like and when you can step into something that's bigger than you, it, it helps it helps the healing process. Really does. Now, now I, I have no, I have no th- therapist background or anything, but mm-hmm. I, I've experienced enough in my almost 48 years that I've found when you take and you tell these stories that it helps other people. So I do mm-hmm. conditioning for one of my daughter's softball team teams. And uh, at, at, with about 10 minutes to go, I was like, you know what? Bring it in. I said, we're going to do mm-hmm. some mental conditioning. And I just poured into them about effort and how effort's going to affect the rest of their life. I said, I said you're going to have to apply effort from now until whenever your time is up. I said, that's something that's going to carry with you. I said, so the more you master it now, 
the better you're going to be at it later. Like, if you're mm-hmm. cutting corners now, you're going to cut corners later. If you're, if you're trying to take the easy way out now, you're going to take the easy way out later. Yes. Like, so, so this is the blueprint. If you guys want to have success in any, any aspect of life, it's like, you know, people are going to tell you that you're going to struggle because you're, because you're a female. They're going to, you're going to struggle because of the color of your skin or your sexual orientation. I said, that's all crap. I said, effort will decide your, your future success. And how many people can you point out that prove that theory wrong? You know, it's like, you know, so it does, it does depend on us. Every Mm -hmm. moment is a choice. Um, We always have options. We may not always like the options, (laughs) Um, and that maybe that's what we're revealing you know and part of it is because I think that they take us out of our comfort zone you Mm. know we're expanding the boundaries of this self-limited reality we put ourselves in it's like you could choose that you know if if that makes you happy but to me that sounds pretty boring and um, uneventful and, and and we're meant to do more than that yes um and so I think grief is 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 that it can be that opportunity of being a springboard into really, I have nothing to lose now. I've already experienced this pain. Um, I'm not going to hold back. It's like, I'm going to explore something um, with open-mindedness, with courage, and um, know that there's a strength and a resilience now that I have that maybe I didn't know I had before. Yes. Um, And I'm going to use that. And um, if something shows up, I'm going to, I'm going to just be curious enough to Take one little step into it and see what it might offer. Yeah, see, and it's those challenging times that shape who we are. You know, to, mm-hmm. to your to your point, it's like I said. This, I said to someone that the other day, "How do you know what you're capable of if you don't try?" Right at the gym, right. I had a kettlebell on on the floor. One of the, the the women walks over. She's like, "Oh, that's too heavy." I said, "A, you didn't even try to pick it up. Mm-hmm. B, you don't even know what, what what the exercise is yet. I, I haven't <laughs> even said what the task is." And you're already trying to make an excuse why you can't do it. You know, it's, right. it's, like, it's like you're creating fake problems. You know, but anyway, the point of that is you have to go through stuff to build resilience. It's like people right. aren't people aren't just born with it. You know, it's like right. like I've had it because I've been through a bunch of stuff grow, growing up. You know, right. especially being the youngest of seven kids. Oh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so as the youngest, you know, th- it's a little different than being the oldest. You know, like each one. I'm, has- I'm the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but like each one, they have their they have their own struggles. But mm-hmm. for for me, you know, we were all athletes, including including my parents. We were all athletes. Oh. So being the bottom one, the baby, and watching the older ones having success and getting awards and all this other stuff, and I'm just like, I I, I want that. <laughs> but yeah. but it wasn't my time yet, so it's like you gotta get to wait. But but that made me work and work mm-hmm. and work. Like watching my my brother with his triple jump, his triple jump distances on the back of his shirt and everything. And here I am with a notebook writing them down. I'm gonna smash that one. <laughs> I'm gonna smash that one. <laughs> and did and did you? I sure did. Uh, yep, held 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 one one record for eighteen years, one for twenty one, one for twenty four, before yeah. they before they were finally broken. <laughs> you know, I have to say, one of the things that I learned when I looked at what I admired about my son is that he packed a lot into his twenty nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was eighteen, he actually had non Hodgkin's lymphoma and went through chemo, oh. and um, he went into remission and. Um, 
And I think part of what came out of that is that he never, he was never sure whether he should set goals because he didn't know if cancer would get him. Uh, And so, but he lived in the moment, you know, and it's like, if something showed up, then he would just go for it. He, um, he was pretty adventurous, like way out there. I remember as a child, he's one of those kids that he would um, climb a tree and see how far you could go to the outer edge of the limb before it would break. And he spent more time in the emergency because he was more curious and he didn't really care what the, the you know, the result would have been if, if he got hurt. Yeah. But um, one of the things that he did that was on his bucket list was to um, uh, jump out of an airplane, you know, with a parachute, mm. of course. Yeah. And my son had forgotten he had a recording of that. And a couple of years ago, he finally sent me a copy of it. And it was like one of those moments of reconnecting with this ecstasy and joy of, of Justin's experience where, you know, you saw like his brother was in the plane watching him jump out and then they came back and he saw his knees like thumbs up. And then his friend is on the ground filming him when he lands and he's like, yes, I did it. And just mm-hmm. to connect with that moment of, mm-hmm. of him just being so alive was a beautiful gift, but also a reminder of, yeah, like you said, go for it. It's like, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, yes. And um, that is his gift to me, to be more courageous and, and just do it anyway. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's talk about your your book. What's, what's the name of it? It's Unraveling Grief, A Mother's Spiritual Journey of Healing and Discovery. And um, in it, I share um, my story of my relationship with my son, but then also a deeper understanding of what is grief, what can we learn from it, and then how do we move through it? So here's some things you can do, some tips and exercises and activities, if you choose to, that can help make a difference to get to that point where I'm living my life as legacy. Love it. So what would you say the biggest takeaway is in the book? You know, I think it's a book about courage, um, forgiveness, and um, gratitude. And um, each of those things are an important aspect of how we live, um, but we may need to learn how to process them. Agreed. All right. So, give us some give us some final thoughts. So, for, for some for someone who may have just recently lost someone, what are some some of your best practices to help them get to a better? I mean, I know time is is the obvious one, is, right. but but just like beyond time. What are some, some of your, uh, your best practices? Well, and it's not comforting to tell somebody, don't worry, in time you'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, in the moment, you know, it sucks and um, I don't want to hear that. So, yeah. I, you know, I think initially it's um, be gentle with yourself. Love yourself enough to so- take care of you. One of the things I realized, because I teach mind-body-soul connection, it's like <clears throat> if everything is vibration, that includes the food we eat. And how does it enhance um, our health and wholeness? And when we're hurting, when we've had a traumatic impact, our body needs all that it can to support it um, to get through the healing process. So even though we might want to go to the comfort things or the, the addiction, you know, the alcohol and drugs and stuff to, to numb us, um, loving myself enough to choose things that will um, help my body sustain this impact because it takes a lot of energy to process grief 
And that's why you feel tired. That's why you feel fatigued. So give yourself permission to take a nap. Listen to what your body's telling you what you need. Reach out and ask for support. Um, people are waiting to not know what, they don't know what to do. They're waiting to help you. Um, so let them know what will help and, and let them know what doesn't help. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're annoying true. me. Go away. <laughs> you know, Very it's like, true. stop trying to feed me. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's sort of having the courage of uh, learning self-care, which can become a lifetime um, process. And, um, and, and get out and move your body. I found like just walking, um, because then the energy doesn't stay stuck. Yeah. It breaks up the pain somehow. I, I spent a lot of time in a pool, you know, just being in the water. It was very healing and um, soothing. And I could like just cry in the pool. Mm. So, you know, but or spend some time just sitting in front of a fire or light a candle, play some soothing music, have a cup of tea and live in your thoughts of how much you love that person. And let the tears flow. See, that's that's the key is I tell people is to make sure you take the time to feel what happened. Like mm -hmm. when when my dad passed, you know, like my my cousin came up, my my one of my brothers came up from Florida and so like my mom had people in the house with her. And, you know, so we all worked together because my dad, he was kind of a pack rat. Like he he was an engineer, and so he he didn't throw away anything because he can make something out of anything. Oh, yeah. So he kept everything because you never know when I might need that, you know. <laughs> and so, and so it, was, it was maybe about, about a month or so before mom finally had the house empty. And before I had left, I had said, now sit down and take the time to feel what happened. Mm -hmm. I said, because you've been on the go, on the go, on the go ever since you passed trying to get things in order. You got to do the death certificate. We got to plan the, the veterans memorial and, you know, just, just, just so much stuff and just sifting through all of his stuff and finding papers. Like she, she didn't have time to sit back and be like, I just lost my best friend of 52 years, hmm. you know? So I told her, I said, just sit on the couch, take some time and just process, you know? And so this was maybe six months ago where she's, she's like, she's like, it's time. She's like, it's time to move on. She's like, it's time, you know, meaning because like they, she is just her now in that big old house, all that land, oh, yeah. you know, like mm -hmm. raking, raking leaves is, is like a two weekend affair there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that and mowing the lawn and with it snowing now, she's out there with that big snow blower, you know, pushing, <laughs> pushing to, to do the drive. It's just too much for her. But, so, yeah. but she just finally realizes now is the time to, to downsize. I think my sister and her husband are going to buy the house from her so she can just start start you know the next chapter but it took her a solid year and a half well and that's listening to your heart you know it's like so you know when you know and nobody else can tell you when that is yeah and um you know and so it's you're honoring yourself in this process as you're exploring um unfamiliar territory yeah love it so thank you very much all right that is our that is our time and uh yeah, this was a solid, solid conversation. Like, it's never easy to talk about loss, but the more we talk about it, the more we can help people. Like you said earlier, what can you leave behind? You know, like these videos are going to be around forever. You know, like even mm -hmm. here, here they're going to be on like 20, 20 different platforms, but I, wow. you know, I'll have it on my, my own computer too. You know, so if the internet suddenly blows up one day, like, 
I'll still have stuff for people to follow, you know, and that's what it's about. Like, like I said earlier about it's bigger than just you. Right. You know, it's like, I don't speak about, about any of this stuff just to hear myself speak, you know, it's to, to leave, leave a footprint for other people to follow. Well, and that's just it. And I never, you know, it's like, for me, it's like, I had, to, I had to write my book. There was something in me. I had to get this out. It was like a birthing process. I felt my son with me. It's like he wanted to help get this out too. And I don't know who it's going to make a difference, but I keep hearing stories of people that have read it or they've given it to somebody and they're, and I never know um, where it's going to go. And, you know, I don't have control over that, yeah. um, but I just appreciate it. It's like, I, I set it loose and it's going to do its work and maybe it will touch somebody that was on the, you know, the edge of like, I can't do this anymore. And it gave them the, um, the motivation to um, say, you know, I still have a life to live and I live my life because I loved, Yes. you know, something I didn't matter, you know, matter. It's like, we wouldn't grieve deeply if we hadn't loved deeply. And that in itself is a gift. Very true. All right. So um, I'm actually going to be doing doing a, a panel probably mm-hmm. in April about about grief. If you would uh, like to join join the panel, I'll add you to the list. Sure. That sounds like fun. Do you have a date? So I usually do them on Saturdays. I know for okay. some people, weekends are like off limits, but I usually do Saturdays at, at 11 Eastern time. Okay. Yeah. Saturdays work for me. I don't have off limit days generally, unless it's something I already have booked. Okay, yeah, it looks like it'll probably be probably April 16th. That's what it looks like, but I'll let you know for certain. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cuz I have done I've done plenty of plenty of episodes on on grief, so I have a bunch of people to come on. We'll we'll all share 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 what we got through and mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it'll flow well like every every panel has been fire so far. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, said, that I'm... sounds like fun. I I would enjoy that. I've done some panels in the past, and um, yeah, some great wisdom comes from that. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. It's like I have a couple couple collaborations go- going on with people from the things we discussed in the panel. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. you just ne- never know where, where these things will go. I love exactly. It. Well, I appreciate this time, and it's been a really dynamic and enjoyable conversation. Thank you, my pleasure. Um, connect with me on on Facebook if you're on it, and okay. um. I'll, I'll get, get you hooked up with some, some of my podcast friends. You can uh, continue. Oh, that'd be great. I appreciate that. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's just what Robert B. Foster. You'll see my smiling face and then uh, I'll get you connected in. <laughs> All right. Thank okay. you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to shut up and grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.